This is episode 82 of the Reading Cove Book Club's podcast. We're always looking for great new members, so if you're a book lover who may be interested in joining an online book club, please visit our website at thereadingcove.com to learn more about the group. For September 2017, we're discussing Ford County by John Grisham. Okay, so hi, I am Millennia in Florida. And I'm Roberta in Georgia. And Roberta and I are two members of the Reading Cove Book Club, and today we're talking about our September pick, Ford County, by John Grisham, which was chosen by Cheryl in Arizona. And it's our 202nd pick. It's comprised of eight short stories, and there were two of them, two that I liked the most of the eight, and one that I really liked the least. <laughs> I don't know about you. Well, yeah, I mean, I had I had favorites and ones of like me. I know. <laughs> I think we might have read one other book that was made up of short stories by Maeve Binchy. I'm not sure if it was a Cove pick or not, or just a buddy read or something. But I liked it. I just read one story each day because I found that if I tried to read, you know, more than one in a day, I would just like it wouldn't digest. <laughs> So I thought it was good. It was a good change of pace for us. Yes, and it it was different from a lot of his other um, books. Yeah, full full scale novels too. It was a little bit uh, different uh, feel to it. Yes, because the first two were not legal stories, really. Um, and I was wondering, like, oh, are these not going to have any lawyers or cases? <laughs> and then the third one, Fish Files, we got a lawyer. Right. Okay, so let's start with the first one, Blood Drive. That was my least favorite, and I really wished the book hadn't opened with that one. <laughs> yeah, because, I, I, I agree. Yeah, because if it wasn't a pick and that was the first story, I might not have continued. Because <laughs> these three idiots, <laughs> they were just, it was just not that interesting. After a while, you're just like, really? They are idiots. And at first, I thought Aggie, the one who had the truck, who was driving, I thought he was the most level-headed. I thought, okay, he's... His logic will prevail. They'll get to this hospital. But no, it never happens. If this poor guy was waiting on them to donate blood, he'd be dead. Right. So, yeah, that that one wasn't my favorite. No, I said no. I, I didn't really care for it that much. I mean, I think the main thing uh, the author was doing is just sort of making fun of these people from these... <laughs> rural Mississippi. <laughs> yeah, from the, yeah, these small rural towns that just show that, you know, they would do these crazy things. And they they really didn't want to go, but it was more like sort of a, a macho thing. And it made them look bad if they, they didn't go. If they didn't do something or act it, like they could. Or act like they could. But, it, yeah, that they were, they were just, even if they're from a rural area, you can't believe that anybody could be <laughs> that, you know, that much of, you know. <laughs> because they're driving right and Aggie's like you know focused he's trying to get there and he initially this is why I thought you know he would save the day because initially he and the other guy I forget the other guy's name they were Calvin I think they were like no we're not gonna drink but Roger he's the drunkard right and so he was like he's got a drink and so he is the one who really was the distraction and who really was the bad influence on the other right. two and then they all just went to shit it was just crazy yeah well and that's the thing a lot of times that you know if you let yourself get in with with people the wrong that, crowd <laughs> wrong crowd they're they're gonna more likely pull you down than you you pulling them up and this was a, a prime example yes 
Indeed. So yeah, there was that. And then the next one was Fetching Raymond, which I thought was a better story. Right. It was very familiar to me because apparently I had been looking on my Goodreads thing. I'd read this before, but I didn't remember the other stories. But I was, I really, truly remembered uh, Fetching Raymond. And, and it was it made a bigger impression on me for sure than some of the other ones. Yeah, it was a bit more memorable because I liked the way it unfolded, the gradual unfolding of the plot, of the the fact that Raymond was actually going to be executed that that day, that night. Right. And I don't think that was revealed until they were at the jail. Right. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, you weren't really sure. You just feared, well, they were going to, to visit him visit him and everything and and things were supposed to be you know on the upswing but yeah it, it was truly a thing where little by little you know things are, are revealed and, and all yeah and I thought his character I thought it was really authentic and I'm I guess blood drive I guess those characters were probably pretty authentic too just right. just you know it wore off they weren't that interesting after a while yeah no but with fetching Raymond I, I felt it was really authentic the dynamics at play in this family between Butch and Leon their mom and Raymond and the way Raymond was you know like a master at emotional manipulation right and the fast talking powerhouse really because they all sort of gave in to him right and then butch and leon finally at the end it was like we're not sending him his stipend you know he like using these big words <laughs> yeah, like he'd taken his time in jail to do all these other crazy mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and and learned all these fancy words this poor you know undereducated family couldn't begin to know i mean they would have uh, like they, the mom said she had to get a dictionary to <laughs> decipher his letter <laughs> i know wait well the, and the, the little you know snippet they shared you think whoa you know <laughs> you would have a hard time getting that letter from anybody especially a, a inmate from a jail that i've read about that place too and you know that jails are never good but that that parchment that's probably you know one of the armpits of all jails from all the things i've read over the year about you know, crime and, and um, you know, jails and everything. Wow. So that was a bad place. Well, I mean, they'd all been there before. And you, you just wonder because, you know, the mom had married, you know, had been married. Of course, Lisa was gone. But you just wondered, would the sons have really gone as much downhill as they did if she hadn't been married to this horrible man before? But, you know, yeah, other circumstances. Yeah, circum whether it was circumstances, but it, it's like where the other, the two other sons that, yeah, they had served time in jail and they certainly weren't, you know, pillars of the community, but at least they had tried to get their their lives together. But as you said, that Raymond had always been, seemed like he'd always been trying to fast talk. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, especially with this one thing, you know, he was always like, he was going to get out of it, but he was like, like they said, he was like, you know, swimming of the in the river of denial because you know he just 
he just didn't want, you know, until the end, you know, you think, well, maybe they did, you know, kind of convict the wrong man because he had this bad history. But then he tells his brother that, you know, he had killed him, even though he was, you know, all, you know, strung out and everything at the yeah, time. Yeah, they knew it. And Butch and Leon had known it the whole time that he was guilty, that he had done it. He's guilty, but he's talking real big and, you know, trying to think he's going to get off. And then yeah, totally was- inflating his himself and doing it to them and you know just kind of sucking their money and just spewing all this nonsense in his letters and and wasting the money because he was trying to tell them he's using it for lawyers but then you find out he only had one lawyer (laughs) and that guy was working you know you know as a public defender so and the guy's even saying what you know (laughs) i fired them i fired them and that's what you know i'm the only, he goes, I'm the only attorney yeah like what are you talking about but he's, he's taken all this money from his family especially his poor mother who didn't have anything you know she's living on disability or social security or a combination thereof and, and you know he's taken this money from them that, that they don't have to do for all kinds of frivolous silly things and here even yeah. at the end he's asking for more for more money. I mean, what was he going to do with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy. And then, and it wasn't like he was penniless because at the end they also they said, oh, well, we'll send you a check for this money. So he still had money in his account. Yeah, I think yeah. he had like a thousand dollars or Yeah, that, that they had worked hard to, to save it. So it was really sort of a, a sad situation. And that, that they were emotionally tied to him that way because right. the mother, she stayed stuck on stupid where he was concerned and she kept bullying butch and leon she she, it seemed like she kind of bullied them and guilted them about taking care of their brother and sending him his stipend and oh it was really authentic because i think people in family dynamics like that definitely exist right and the mother you know no mother wants to think their their child is a cold-blooded killer or you know, or manipulating she, you all the or time. Yeah. She wanted to think the best of you know all of them, even though and and she was sometimes tried to blame herself, but at the same time, she she just couldn't see how manipulative Raymond was, while the brothers could. But I think, like you said, it was the family dynamic. They went along with it just to keep their poor mom, you know, happy because they were all she had left. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I couldn't blame the brothers for wanting it to be over with because at the end they were just sort of like, it's a sad situation, but they were looking forward to his execution because he was such a fast talking nuisance and just um, the problem in their lives at that point. Yeah, and it's just been dragging on for, you know, for a long time. You feel sorry even for the the widow of the, the guy he killed that she had to be there, but I guess at least she finally felt like, you know. Justice. It was just as it was over with, just like the brothers were, you know, secretly glad it was over with. She was glad it was over with because she didn't have to keep going through all this stuff, too. Yeah, and I liked the little bit of nuance with Leon when it showed that even though he had had run-ins with the law, he borrows the van from this, the owner of the shop. I forget what kind of shop it was, yeah. you know, so they can take their mom because she's wheelchair bound. Right. And then brings it back, you know, and I think that that gentleman was a little bit nervous about his lending him his van. (laughs) Right. Right. But, you know, but 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 Leon did the right thing. Like you said, he brought it back on time. Yes. Back up with gas, you know, and everything else. So 
you know, for all his shady past that he, you know, he was still, you know, a good guy when it came to, um, yes, he still showed some decency and that he was trying to be upstanding. Right. So I like that. Yep. So fetching Raymond, better story. Better story. (laughs) The book should have opened with that story. (laughs) I think so. Yeah. It would have gotten attention more. You would have thought, whoa, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So, and the third one is fish files which I had never heard of that term. Me neither. But it's pretty interesting. So this Mac, he's this disgruntled small town lawyer. And this one came across to me as like a disgruntled small town lawyer's fantasy, right? I feel like Grisham was kind of fantasizing with this. (laughs) (laughs) Because he gets off scot-free in the end. (laughs) He just just gets away with it. You know, he's unhappy in his uh, rat race and his daily grind. And he gets this call from this big shot law firm in New York City on an old file that he had let go cold and they call them fish files. Right. And he had made all these promises to his clients about how much, you know, money he could get from this company for their, uh, they were maimed, I think. Yeah, they had, they'd all had some kind of pretty bad injury. Pretty bad injuries or gone blind or lost an eye or something. I think there were like four clients. Right. And then when he could not get a class action, he couldn't get any other attorneys to join in on it. He just let it go cold. He didn't want to do the work himself. And of course, he would be working for free until they got the settlement. So attorneys often do that. If they can't get others to go in and share the workload of filing the suit and pursuing it for years or however long it'll take to try to reach a settlement, then they move on to other cases that are going to make him money. He goes back to his divorces and his wills and his easier stuff. And so when this lawyer calls and says, okay, this company's been bought out and they want to settle all this old business so they can move on fresh and they're offering X amount. And this guy (laughs) doesn't even give the clients what they were offered. He completely takes advantage of the fact that they're uneducated. They're not going to look into it. They're not going to contact the other side to verify the settlement amount or anything like that. That's what really wowed me about this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, they just trusted him. You know? Yeah, they trusted him completely. Even though, been, well, I think they probably just given up hope thinking, well, you know, he, he promised us this, but you know how it goes. So I think they were excited that, you know, they were getting anything. And that's what he counted on. Right. He counted on that. He was like, they will never see $25,000 in cash <laughs> in never. their whole life. Right. So they don't need, and he justified it by saying if they got a hundred thousand, or I think it was two hundred thousand that they were entitled to right. each, if they got two hundred thousand dollars, they would waste it. They would blow it because you know these people don't know what to do with money, and it would be gone, and and they'd be right back where they are in a few years. Right. And that might be true, but that's their money to do that with. Right. That's their money. They lost their eyes, their arms, their whatever. <laughs> But then there was a part where he 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 addressed that. He goes, he knows he's making excuses. He knows, but he's doing yeah. it anyway. And I thought, wow, that's so honest. I like that. Yes. He was like, I'm doing it anyway because I'm out of here. So he he divorces his wife, files for bankruptcy with his firm, and just heads to South America, I think. I don't think he went to the Caribbean. I think he went somewhere in South America. And chills yeah. out on the beach. Right. <laughs> Like really? Well, yeah, he could hide out. He, I think he was trying to find some place where you know, people wouldn't go looking for him. And plus, 
there wouldn't if something did happen there wasn't an extradition thing you know he just went off <laughs> off, off, the grid, off the grid as they say Wow. so that was pretty sneaky but he was you know he may have been sleazy but he was pretty smart to plan it all out like that yes so. it was very well planned and just said goodbye to his daughters he was like um he loves them but he could live without them <laughs> i was like oh my god because they were just like their mother <laughs> I th- well, yeah, I think the the mother had sort of, you know, turned them against him. Yes. You know? But so. that doesn't matter. You know, he should still, uh, they're still young and he should still right. have tried to, they still need a father. But he just decided, screw it. Yeah, I'm gone. She, I'm gone. she, she, she can take care of things from now on. He just know? didn't care anymore. No, he's <laughs> burned out, ready to to leave it all behind. The only thing with that one is I would have liked to see his story continue to see what would have ha- where he'd be in 10 years. That would be, that'd be a sequel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would have liked that to be a, a, a like maybe a full length book. Right. <laughs> okay. And the next one is Casino. What did you think of that one? Sydney and Stella and Bobby well, Carl. Yeah. So Bobby Carl was a, a a wheeler dealer too he was like a real you know sleaze bag the, it, it was all about him and, and making the money and everything and and he saw opportunity also to pretend he was a fake indian a fake native right. american <laughs> yeah. but, but you know especially because yeah there's all these different casino things because it's a big business it's you know it's, it's good that some of these people that have nothing can get something uh, out of it but there's always going to be somebody that's gonna you know take a good thing use it for their own benefit and, and cheat people and all Yes. So he links up with this other fake Native American guy who opened up the shop and everything and was really playing it up. They start up this fake tribe. (laughs) I forget what it's called. And it was interesting to see the behind the scenes and the relations between the American government and these Native American tribes and how they make these arrangements for their land. And so they can build, you know, casinos on these Indian reservations. So I thought that was interesting. Um, right. But then we shift from Bobby Carl and all of that to Sydney and Stella. And Stella's bored in her marriage. They've been married forever or whatever. And she's bored and wants to move on. And Sydney's still head over heels in love with her. And I guess he just didn't see it coming. They were disconnected. Yeah. Um, so she <laughs> loses all this weight right or starts getting in shape or something and divorces him and he's devastated he wanders into the casino and before you know it he's a master at blackjack you know he blames bobby carl for you know and a good bit for his wife's leaving yeah once he found out once he saw that she was with him so he's planning revenge he is truly a smart guy but he wasn't exciting and i guess stella was going through her own sort of almost midlife crisis or whatever that she wanted more than just the, you know, everyday uh, same run old, of same old, yeah. same old marriage. She wanted, you know, more excitement. That's what she saw with this, you know, Bobby Carl going on trips in the casino and everything. So, but Sydney's, you know, a smart guy. So he's, since he already has, does all these other things. So, he, you know, he, it's neat that he finds a way to use his intelligence. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, he was able to make a lot of money, but his right. focus was always Stella. Right. You know, right. it was always 
care of Stella. Blackjack, he mastered it so that he could break the casino and waited, sat and waited for her to come back to him. And I thought to myself, really? Wow. (laughs) And then that led me to wonder when she did come back, when their daughter called him and kind of smoothed the path for reconciliation, did Stella come back to him because she felt she made a mistake or did she come back because he was now wealthy? I think the the latter, the, the money. Because <laughs> he's now a rich, rich guy. A rich guy. And so she, so she could do more exciting things with all that money. <laughs> You know, it's more than just his everyday, you know, probably middle income job before that now he's got all this money. And they just hop in the RV off to Florida and he's gone to a casino. So how long before she gets bored with that? Well, (laughs) I don't know. But I said, but he's, he was crazy enough to take her back because. I know he waited. He was waiting for her to come back. For her. But yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, he, he just felt this unconditional love for her. So. He was going to do whatever it took to to woo her back, and his plan worked, and, you know, he got revenge at the same time, but... (laughs) Well, I didn't feel any pity for Bobby Carl at all. No, oh no, he got what was coming to him. Yes, he did. And I just didn't like that Stella just kind of hit pay dirt like that. I just... (laughs) But that's how it goes sometimes. I mean, like you said, it was unconditional love and he loved her despite he didn't want anyone else. I mean, he could have gone and met some other woman and, you know, or many other women, but he wanted Stella. And the daughter, she was complicit because, like he was saying, she wasn't talking like this before I became rich and broke the casino. Right. (laughs) Right. And I love that part when he did win all that money and they couldn't pay him. And (laughs) I like that, how it went down. And when they went to the bank and he had his lawyer there and it was all about Stella. (laughs) Sydney. I kind of wished that he had like, at the end, he just wasn't interested in her anymore. And he'd met some other woman or something in the casino. (laughs) Yeah. That would have been a better ending for me. Yeah, but you know, that was just his character. Yeah, yeah. All right, the next one is Michael's Room. And this one was one of my favorites. Yes. Um, Even though I was disappointed in the ending, but it was still one of my favorites. So this guy, Jim, kidnaps this attorney because he got the doctor off who... Didn't follow the, the rules. The protocol, uh, yeah. Protocol, yeah, the which is in protocol when the child was being bored, born. So one thing led to another and... and you know, Michael ended up just being, you know, deprived of oxygen or something. Uh, yeah, yeah, and grie- you know, grievously uh, disabled. You know, from that point on, very crippled. And I thought it was really interesting. And the only thing I would have liked more is if he had done something to Stanley, like crippled him or you know, injured him in some way. But what I think happened was that when Stanley said to him he'd be willing to give him money to help with Michael's care. Right. I think that's what made the difference because I think they were going to kill him just like they killed the doctor. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was going to suddenly disappear. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, that, you know, because that was kind of chilling when he said they'll never find him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Exactly. So he'd gotten part of his, you know, revenge then, but, you know, the lawyer sort of redeemed himself a little bit by, you know, offering that. He could say before, oh, well, I was just doing my job and defending the doctor. Mm -hmm. But I think what the father blamed him the most for is, you know, he just didn't see all this stuff and he kind of made 
them sound like they were just trying to be greedy and cash in on this thing when, you know, their whole lives were ruined forever. Yeah. And I think when he dropped him off, I think Stanley knew that he better start sending those checks ASAP. Right. <laughs> or, he might, or he might, you know, because they shopped and they knew where he lived. So, you know, it was real easy to get him, uh, you know, that would have been real easy for them to grab him. He, he would have been looking over his shoulder for the rest of his life. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that he wasn't going to tell his wife what happened. No. Well, you know, he probably feared that was probably safest because she'd probably, you know, want to go to the police or right. do something else. And it would have been a big, you know, mess and it wouldn't have been good for him. <laughs> when Jim says to him, we'll leave you alone until as long as Michael's alive. Right. So I was like, okay, so they're going to kill him when Michael dies. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I don't know, you know, but that's kind of a pretty chilling threat. Yes. <laughs> and poor, poor Michael had outlived, you know, any of their predictions. That was another thing, too, while they were trying to say about the money. Oh, well, this child won't live that long. Exactly. So exactly. You don't, you don't need all this money. But he had outlived anybody's predictions. of and his. probably because of how well they care for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially the mother. And then they describing, you know, she, how bad she looked. But, you know, anybody would be worn down if you were just a constant caretaker for someone who couldn't do a thing for themselves. And the physician had gotten away with right. his malpractice, you know, right. that and, really would be stuck in your craw. Like, oh, my right. God, that injustice is just. Yeah. And, and even if it had been a one time accident, but then, like, say they found out later that, you know, after he got him off, that something else bad happened. So, yeah. So that one, that was one of my favorites. That one had my attention. <laughs> held my interest because I was like oh my god what are they gonna do with him <laughs> yeah and, and you know sometimes these people you, know, you wouldn't want anything bad to happen to somebody but sometimes you think some of these sleazy lawyers they need to see the the other side of what they do to realize you know everybody even the the most hardened you know terrible criminal has to have a lawyer but still especially when they win through lies Right. Blatant lies like he obviously did just to win. Just to win. Just yeah, to get was... your client off. Right. And the next one was Quiet Haven, the other favorite of mine, because I just got a kick out of it. So Gil goes around getting jobs in nursing homes so that he can catch them being negligent <laughs> or engaging in elder abuse. I thought it was so funny how he researches every resident in the nursing home so that he can find out where the money is right and then he befriends them and manipulates them into giving money to something he sets up so that right. he would be the beneficiary or naming them in his in their wills i'm sure he gets some of them too right first you think well he's like you know a good guy and he's trying to get rid of some of this uh, bad stuff and, and you know nursing homes assisted living but then you find out he's all in cahoots with a lawyer to maybe you know get these things changed but at the same time it's all about you know hit the money for him and all it's, that's how he makes his living it's all like, about the paycheck 
<laughs> yeah, the paycheck. So I think, wow, <laughs> you know, this is a lipstick guy too, because especially that you feel sorry for Lyle that he doesn't really have much going on. His family doesn't care much about him, and he's just sort of a lonely old guy. And so he's real excited when Gil befriends him. And then... Yeah, he was taken advantage of. But then again, oh. one of Gil's skills is that he plays on their interests and their passions because he found out that Lyle was a card-carrying confederate right and those things were important to him so he took him to you know the confederate museum or whatever and just played into that and said he would be leaving his money to some confederacy interest or something that gill i guess he had he set it up right it's a company set up in his own name so lyle was taken advantage of for sure because his daughter i think it was his daughter that he had she couldn't care less i mean they came for his birthday right but it was out of obligation it seemed Uh, yeah there's a need there isn't there I mean, he, because who's lonelier than the elderly in assisted living or in nursing homes who don't right. have family or, you know, anybody who's really interested in coming to spend time with them? So, yeah, he's found a way to make a living. <laughs> and then, of course, you have these places that are negligent and a lot of elder abuse going on. So he's able to easily find those weaknesses and then he has his lawyer friend on standby ready to swoop in and threaten lawsuits and he gets all the evidence takes pictures and they want a tasty settlement and they often get it right so <laughs> from the big companies that own these places most yeah, of the time that was the only you know uh redeeming thing is at least some of these bad things that happened were remedied you know through the being exposed like that but just for bad purposes at the same time there's like trade-off it's for self-interest one self-interest right self-interest and everything so yeah yeah and i i liked gill's relationship with roselle right in the kitchen where he would go to get all the gossip right he just took advantage of everyone he did but yeah you know because you feel bad because because she enjoyed having somebody pay extra attention to her. Yes. <laughs> you know, just like Lyle did, because, you know, here she was just the cook, and, you know, she knew she wasn't fixing gourmet meals, but she, right. you know, she needed somebody, you know, talking with her and treating her as more than just the cook. Yeah, and have a buddy at work, you know, look forward right. to chatting with your buddy. And then, of course, Miss Ruby, she was a hoot oh, uh, yeah. with her nonstop drinking, nonstop smoking, and very lonely. He took advantage of that. He's such yeah. an opportunist, Gil. He was. But I loved how he handled Miss Ruby because <laughs> she was a trip, really. She was. <laughs> She was something else. And then when he takes Lyle out with her and they go to the movies and they end up in the back seat together. I know. <laughs> that was too funny. So yeah. that, I like that story. That was one of yes. the, my favorites. And then the final one is Funny Boy. Yeah. So it's uh, 1989 and this guy Adrian is dying of AIDS and his family makes a deal with this older i guess she's older black woman named emporia who is renting a house from them on their property i guess or it's just their property their house and she, yeah. yeah and she's been renting this house from them for like over 20 years i think at least yes yeah and she's you know living alone and they tell her if she cares for adrian because they don't want him in their house they're you know no. at that, especially at that time everybody was freaked out about aids right and um you know 
you were dead before you were dead, really, you know, like like Tom Hanks said, is in says in Philadelphia, uh, you read something where it says that there's a social death before the actual death. Right. And um, you really experience that with Adrian and then with Emporia by association and having him living in her house. But his family says that they will give her the deed to the house. They'll give her the house if she cares for him until he dies. And so she agrees because she would never be able to own her home otherwise. So they developed this relationship and it was interesting. The most interesting, interesting thing I thought was to see how she became ostracized even by her church. I know. The neighbors, how they reacted, you could expect, but even her pastor, the church, you know, the church didn't want her there because they were freaked out and thinking that she would now bring AIDS (laughs) to them. Well, except, and you have to look, it still was wrong, and but you have to look at the time, too. You know, people understand a lot more then, but, you know, then they just thought, well, anything you could get it from. So they were freaked out, too, but they certainly weren't showing, you know, love and compassion to her. When- they sure weren't. I feel like in in some ways, like in that way, it was kind of a shallow treatment of the situation and I guess because it's only like a 50 page short story right there's really not time to explore all of that because I got a sense that it would be causing Emporia to question certain things about her faith or at least where she worshipped right and um it just didn't have time to go into that no Um, yeah Shorter yeah. story like that. Yeah, it was one of the shorter ones in the book. So, yeah. Right. And then her relationship with Adrian, I felt like there, that could have had a little more depth. The time they were spending together felt a little bit glossed over. I mean, he wanted a drink and they wouldn't. Did he try to go into the liquor store or he couldn't make it to the liquor store? The, the taxi guy, the, the taxi yeah. wouldn't take him. Taxi wouldn't take him to the liquor store. So she then agrees, you know, she goes for him and that starts creating problems because I think her pastor, somebody, word got back to her pastor that she was going to the liquor store all the time to buy liquor. She was was being truly sinful going to the liquor store. Oh, (laughs) yes. You don't get seen in the liquor store. But yeah, nothing really insightful happened I don't feel too much and especially like at the end when he leaves that letter it I felt a little bit disappointed with it a little anticlimactic I guess with the whole thing and I I just chalked it up to the fact that because there just wasn't enough time it was such a quick you know story it had a you know a good premise and idea behind it and it was you know sort of sad and sweet but I think it would have been a a better story, as you said, if there was more development in certain areas. And then um, she, her character wasn't really fully developed because there's still a lot of mystery about her sexuality. I mean, I think it, it they made it clear that, of course, Adrian is gay. And right. she, it seems, because she had been with a man but didn't enjoy it and felt that she knew she was attracted to women, right? But the time she grew up in didn't allow her to explore it, explore that. She never dared right. develop any kind of relationship with a woman, a romantic relationship. Right, because she sh- certainly would have been ostracized in her little small area there. And it was just easier for her to, like a lot of these other people say, well, I just stayed single because I never found, you know, a good guy or whatever. So Right, to become an old maid. Like, you know, right. yeah, so th- it would have been nice if her character, if we knew more about her. Yeah, the background um, character. Her background, but also going forward. 
what would have happened, what happens when he dies, because, you know, he right. dies and he leaves, um, the letter and asks her to drink wine, you know, in right. remembrance of him. And that was nice, but he also kind of killed himself, right? He took this pill, right? He just kind of, you know, um, sped up his death, sped up his death, you know, instead of it being ling lingering, cause... lingering and cause he was getting worse. He was deteriorating. Um, and I understand that 100% because I think I would do that. I wouldn't want to just wait for death. I would probably decide when I die. Yeah, well, something like that where there's no, you're, you're terminal. There's no chance for you yeah. to get better. And, you know, you just get to a point, I'm, I'm sure, where people, they're, it's just, they're so miserable and they're suffering so much that mm -hmm. they just think, wow, you know, I've had enough. I've had enough. Exactly. And I think he, Adrian, got to that point, for sure, where he just decided, <laughs> yeah. I, and I think it was the point where he was just barely now able to even dress himself. Right. Because I think he got dressed. He got himself dressed and then took the pill or something like that. Right. Yeah, he just made himself, you know, presentable. Presentable so. because he was getting to the point where he, she would have had to do everything for him. Right. Yeah. Because, yeah, he um, was truly pitiful. Yes. Yeah, so I, I understand. And also living with the fear. When's it going to happen? Is it going to be today? Is it going to be tomorrow? And just taking taking that into your own hands. It's like it's over now. Right. So, yeah. So that was funny, boy. So which one do you think was your favorite or which ones did you like the most? I probably like the fetching Raymond and then you said Michael's room the best. Yeah, because they were good. They looked at different things. I mean, they still had legal stuff with them, and then they looked at the what you know what can happen when things go down the wrong path in so many ways. Right, indeed. So we have started our discussion online with the rest of the group today. So I'm looking forward to everybody's thoughts. So far, most people have enjoyed it. Heather gave it an A, and Cheryl. I think she gave it a B and Allie gave it a C. But so far, I think most people have enjoyed it. Right. Sally didn't like it. Sally gave it a D, but she had read it a while ago, a while back. Right. And so, yeah, and, and, and that makes for a better discussion if there's different points of view. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a B minus for me. A B minus for me. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Like I said, it, it wasn't, you know, as good as, some, like I said, some of the stories, I would have given it even a higher grade if the, some of the stories had been a little bit better fleshed out or, you know. and Or ended in a more satisfying way. That was well, it for me. That, some of the endings were kind of unsatisfying. <laughs> that, that too. That or too. disappointing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All righty. So... That's our discussion of Ford County by John Grisham. One of our longer discussions, I guess, because we have all these short stories to talk about. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in. As always, leave us your comments. Let us know which of the stories you enjoyed most and whether or not you agree or disagree with our thoughts. And stay tuned for our next episode. We'll be discussing When We Collided by Emery Lord. Bye. Bye.